When we're with Ghanaians, they see us as American. Mm -hmm. But when we're with Americans, we're often the weird missionary kids. <laughs> often with being a third culture kid comes the ability to understand lots of different people, but also it comes with lots of inner struggles about where you belong. Welcome to the Essentially Translatable podcast brought to you by Lutheran Bible Translators. I'm Richard Oski. And I'm Emily Wilson. And the school year is upon us. Yeah, well, I don't know if woo is the sentiment of all the students, but uh, certainly of Hannah and Eden Federwitz. They joined us on the podcast and it was awesome. They were in town on a, just a very brief furlough, transitioning from their lives as missionary kids growing up in Ghana, West Africa, and preparing to move to Ethiopia, East Africa. Yeah, and it was just uh, really precious talking with them and hearing about their experience, their perspective, what they've loved about Ghana and what they're looking forward to in Ethiopia. I just really enjoyed this, this conversation with these two. Enjoy this interview with Hannah and Eden. So today we have on the podcast Hannah and Eden Federwitz. Welcome to the podcast, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. So we want to get to know you a little bit more. I mean, we have heard plenty of stories from the office, but our listeners don't know you yet. So can you share a little bit about your story? What has been unique about your experience? And uh, a little bit about third culture kids. We're going to delve into a little bit later, but just a broad stroke. Tell us a little bit about your story. Yeah, so we live in Ghana, West Africa, and... I'm the oldest of three, so it's me and then our brother and then Eden, and we've been there for about 15 years, and we spent most of that time in the north in Tamale, but now for the last six years we've been in the south in Accra, and it's just been a lot of food and <laughs> different types of schooling. Yeah, so we were all homeschooled when we were in Tamale, and then for the last three years I've actually been in an international American high school while Levi and Eden have continued to be homeschooled. Mm -hmm. I was going to say, what has that experience been like, Eden? Not only are you the youngest, so youngest to youngest, I can say, yes, we, we have a clan, right? What was that like just being homeschooled in Ghana? It was kind of nice because there's not like all the different people running around in different classes. Mm -hmm. But I would have liked like a few more people <laughs> instead of just me and Levi. Right. Yeah, and you had a missionary kid teacher like come in. So your yeah. mom was your teacher before, and Allie, I have heard, is she is <laughs> a serious teacher. Yeah. Deanna Gokenauer came alongside in like February, I think, right? Yeah. And how was that having a switch up? Like you've been homeschooled all these years, and then it was like, oh, I have a new teacher. <laughs> so what was that like? It took some getting used to because we had to teach her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was the first like time. Like what curriculum we're doing and yeah. everything. Yeah. It was her first time homeschooling, right? Yeah. Yeah. And first time homeschooling in Ghana. Totally different experience. <laughs> yeah. So what was it like going from a homeschool environment to an international school environment? 
It was a little bit weird at first because I had to get used to spending like seven hours a day at school and then also having homework. Mm -hmm. And it was a lot to deal with. But it was really nice to be with people my own age. And then, you know, in the middle of my eighth grade year, COVID hit and we were in lockdown. Yes. So then it's like another new schooling thing to get used to. But it really worked out and it's my own little place now. So did they do um, like distance schooling during COVID or did you just go back to homeschooling? No, they did (laughs) online schooling. Um, We already had some stuff online, but we switched to doing, you know, Google Meet and Google Classroom. And I had a certain number of classes a day and then all the different things. So cool. Can't imagine. So when we were going through COVID and trying to pivot and figure everything out, like it was you know, it was hard enough, like everybody was like adult and trying to figure (laughs) out. So like, I can only imagine like, okay, as you're trying to pivot, like, okay, I've got all these classes and I've got all these adults teaching me and no one really knows quite what they're doing. So during that time of transition, what kinds of things were you guys experiencing just in your minds? Like, okay, what's next? Yeah, it was kind of weird. We kind of knew it was going to happen that we were going online because, like, there were all the rumors about lockdown and everything. And it was actually right before spring break. And we went on spring break not knowing if school was even going to happen for the rest of the school year. Mm. And then (laughs) it was actually my birthday, like, right at the end of spring break. (laughs) And I had a very lonely birthday, Mm. which, which was fine. I like being by myself but we just got the emails that week about how we were doing school online and it was I mean no one knew what they were doing half the time I was the one helping my teachers figure it out right we were just all working together and it was kind of stressful now did anything change for you Eden or did homeschool just go on like normal or how did that go Every month, we have a homeschool group okay where homeschool families coming together every month yeah and so when COVID hit, we couldn't we couldn't get together. Mm-hmm. So we tried doing online, but it just wasn't the same. But school didn't change for us. Yeah. It was just being with other people that changed. Right. All of the feelings of like, and, and uh, honestly, so your mom did a podcast with us like at the beginning <laughs> on transition. And that was so helpful for me. I think I listened to that a couple of times of like, okay, where am I at in the middle of, you know, all this change and trying to to mourn well, you know, to grieve well, and all of the, the changes of opportunity. And it lasted a lot longer than we thought, right? But it's it's been formative. So you guys have been in Ghana a long time, and you're in the U.S. right now, but it's only kind of a brief stopover, right? So you're, you're, you're changing your context to Ethiopia. So what is it about Ghana that you're going to miss the most? And what is it that you think you're going to be missing maybe the least? I mean, that's kind of a hard question because that has been like your home. You've been into the U.S. like a few times in between for furlough and partnership development for your parents. But what is it that in that change in that transition? I think the part that we're going to miss the most is going to be the people, mm-hmm. the church, the homeschool group, mm-hmm. and people at Hannah's school. I don't know about the least. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the least would be the heat. Like, it's <laughs> so hot. But we've also gotten used to it. Right. And Ethiopia is cold. So we're probably going to get to Ethiopia and miss the heat a lot. <laughs> right. Yeah. That was always the funny thing for me, you know, like 
growing up in Chicago area and then like having this idea of like what cold is and then like talking to your family and that you had a routine right of like if it was about 75 degrees Fahrenheit the hot cocoa would come out right and the blankets not going to be the case in Ethiopia maybe or maybe it's gonna be hot cocoa and tea and coffee all (laughs) All day day, every day right (laughs) and there's plenty of that in supply in Ethiopia too especially Um, coffee right yeah in Ghana what was your favorite food like what do you think okay now I'm gonna I'm gonna miss having this red red it's this fried plantain but it's specifically fried ripe plantain cut in like half inch slices but they're cut angular and it's just sweet and soft and caramelized, but you eat it with beans. And it's oh. called Red Red because the plantain's kind of red, but then the beans also have palm oil in them, yeah. which makes them red. Cool. Mm. So did you make that or did you always like go out for it? <laughs> we had someone who came and kind of helped us out in the house and she would make lunch every day and she was a Ghanaian, so she would make, we had her make local food, so she would make that. So when you guys were leaving Ghana, like what are some of the things you said, we got to make sure we do this or or see these people or, you know, eat this food like one more time? What were some of the things you guys did? So I'm normally at school for lunch, so, I, yeah. so I'm not normally there for the local food. And I said, I want to eat Red Red one more time. <laughs> right. But we, we also went sightseeing. So we saw like Black Star Square. Mm-hmm where there's a whole monument and in the middle of the Ghana flag is this big black star and it's like their symbol Mm -hmm. yeah so there's a big monument with the black star on the Mm -hmm. top and that was pretty cool what about you Eden was there a bucket list kind of (laughs) item that you're like like before we leave Ghana I want to make sure I do this was there something that I think it was the black star square yeah all right because all the time we've been in Ghana we've never seen it oh really Mm -hmm. okay Well, I was going to say, like, when I left the Chicago area before moving down to Concordia, it was like, okay, what are the foods that I cannot get? So you talking about Red Red is like, oh, yeah, yeah, I like I need a Chicago style hot dog before I leave (laughs) (laughs) or do this particular thing with my family. So so moving to Ethiopia, I mean, we've talked about the hot cocoa and the coffee. (laughs) Are you both coffee drinkers? Yes. Yes. Oh, wow. Look at you go. I can't even drink coffee. It doesn't appear to have stunted their growth at all. (laughs) (laughs) So what are you most excited for, do you think? The food? (laughs) The food is good. Food is a big part in our lives. Our lives center around our food. And Ethiopia has really great food and it's seasoned beautifully mm-hmm. yeah no <laughs> that is very very true so you've already done the injera and like yeah. yep off. so do you know the like what you liked the, the name of it the, your most favorite thing so far no <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I know i've been there yeah. like a million times and i don't know the name of the stuff either so <laughs> okay i think that one <laughs> yeah yeah so what about you eden what are you most excited for I don't know. <laughs> That's okay. I mean, like, you're going to be starting a new school environment, right? Yeah. You're not going to be doing the homeschool thing. So is that something you're excited for? Or is that something that you're like, mm. Both excited and nervous. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Like, so you're you're entering into like middle school kind yeah. of age so that's a whole other dynamic anyway but like so for the school that you guys are going to like what is kind of the vibe like who else is going to be at the school with you that like may be a little unusual for like what we think of in the U.S. of like everybody growing up together entering the same grade over and over and over so 
It's a school kind of geared towards missionary kids. It was started by a missionary organization, and there's really diverse people there, and they're people who have had some of the same experiences we've had. They've lived overseas, interacted with people not of their culture or homeland, and it's actually pretty much expected that they're not going to stay at that same school their whole um, school career. Mm -hmm. So the school is very used to people coming in at random grades and leaving Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so did you guys get to take a tour of your classrooms or anything like that or interact with teachers we got a tour of the school we didn't really pop into classes Mm -hmm. very much or the classes that at least i'm going to be in Mm -hmm. we did see some of like what the classrooms were going to be like Mm -hmm. they're going to be more open Mm -hmm. than normal a little bit bigger than your home classroom, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> so when you visited this year, what did you notice or that's like going to be different about where you live now versus where you're going to move to? That's a really good question. So we, we especially noticed the campus we're going to be living on. It's mm-hmm. kind of hidden behind some buildings. And yeah. so there's lots of trees and it feels like you've stepped from city mm-hmm. into more of like... Forest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, there's people everywhere yeah i don't know anything you've noticed eden i guess a lot is different because you're going from the west to the east mm-hmm. and africa is very different uh, depending on where you go yeah so like the culture the food the people the places mm-hmm. are all different no that's very true i, I think that sometimes You know, it's like, oh, Africa, like it's all one place. And it's, you know, like so different. Just like, you know, in the U.S., we're very proud of our different states. Like, oh, you know, Illinois versus Missouri versus California. But there's something lost sometimes in between of like, oh, it's the continent of Africa. And the diversity is just so beautiful and rich. And all the people that you're going to meet from different places, like you were saying, you've got missionary kids from all over. And just this constant cycling of like, okay, who's next? Who are you going to meet next? So that kind of bridges into this idea of third culture kid. Is that something that you and your family talked about a lot, like as you were growing up of like what it means to be a third culture kid? And if so, like, could you break (laughs) it down for our audience a little bit who maybe they don't know? I can break it down as much (laughs) as I know based on my understanding, but essentially... A third culture kid is someone who grows up in a culture different from, like, one or both of their parents. Mm -hmm. So they don't really belong in the culture that they're growing up in. But when they go back to their parents' culture, they don't really belong there either because of the different experiences they've had. So, for instance, us growing up in Ghana, when we're with Ghanaians, they see us as American. Mm -hmm. But when we're with Americans, we're often the weird missionary kids (laughs) don't act like Americans. Mm -hmm. And often with being a third culture kid comes the ability to understand lots of different people because you kind of have that outside view. Mm -hmm. But also it comes with lots of inner struggles about where you belong because you see all the Americans who seem to belong and they have their people and all the Ghanaians who have their families and their cultures. And you're not either of those, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but that puts you in your own category. Mm-hmm. 
So how easy or difficult was it for you, Eden, being a homeschooler? How was it making friends, doing schoolwork or other what quote unquote normal activities while also being known as a missionary kid by like your larger community? What was that like? I think people kind of put aside the missionary part and just accepted me as being someone who needed a friend. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's important. Now, I've heard a lot about the uh, hobbies and interests you guys have gotten to do, some of the cool things you do, which people might not guess that you would do if they're thinking, oh, these girls just grew up somewhere in Africa, right? But since you lived in the capital, you got to do some, some cool things. What are some of the interests or hobbies that you guys were able to pursue? Taekwondo. Yeah, That's tell awesome. us about that. Four what? years ago, I I started Taekwondo, and I finally became a black belt. Okay. Congratulations. Thank you. And that's something that I kind of want to continue in Ethiopia, Mm -hmm. but I think being in a new country and entering a new school will be hard enough that I might not continue. So did your parents like fire the night guard after you learned and became a black belt in taekwondo because you could just like <laughs> take care of everybody yourself now or what? She she still needs her sleep. <laughs> okay. <laughs> she not a okay. So how did you get started with that in the first place? Well, Levi had started soccer and so mom didn't want us just laying around in the house <laughs> on Saturday. That sounds like yeah, I guess. <laughs> So we joined soccer, but we didn't really enjoy it. So we saw that there was an opportunity to do Taekwondo, and that's why I joined. Oh, so are you doing it as well? I was, but then I entered 10th grade, and there were too many things happening for me to continue doing Mm -hmm. it. So what kinds of hobbies and interests have you picked up? Um, I do lots of different crafts. I knit, I crochet, I embroider, but then also I've been playing flute for five years now and that's kind of my quiet place. It's how I relax and unwind. So all of those things that I just noticed, Hannah, are very mobile. (laughs) The flute as your instrument, more mobile. Knitting and crocheting and embroidering, you can just take with you anywhere. So you are a woman on the go. (laughs) (laughs) A little bit. I love it. I love it. So you got started with those things just as a, hey, I want to craft something. I want to, like, do this. So And flute was just, hey, you know, it was available at, like, a school, or how did that happen? (laughs) No. um, Michaela Federwitz has been playing flute for a long time, and growing up, I saw her playing, and I just thought, the flute was a beautiful instrument and made beautiful noise. And I've wanted to play for so long, but I was told growing up, like, I couldn't play yet because my mouth would form weird based on how you have to blow across the mouthpiece. Uh Uh-huh. So then we moved to Accra and we found someone who could teach me and I've been playing it ever since. That is awesome. That is very cool. So, like, how did it help you as you were picking up all of these different interests and hobbies? Like, how did that help you connect with others, like, whether they were third culture kids or just, like, other people who lived in Accra? How was that, like, a connector for you guys? So, in Taekwondo, since there are other people in the class, I could sometimes talk to them. (laughs) When you weren't, you know, hitting them. Yeah. (laughs) 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 And so that was other people that 
could be like be with me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that you were able to like just connect and yeah that it wasn't about like oh my my parents are missionary kids <laughs> and like oh you're the the son of a diplomat you could just like be in the same space and, yeah. and enjoy that that's awesome now yours are kind of solo activities <laughs> hannah i was gonna ask that too, mine like... are but i've had to have teachers for all of them because right. those aren't things my mom does <clears throat> so i mean we had a neighbor who taught Actually, all three of us kids how to crochet as like our birthday gift. Mom, yeah. <laughs> how did Levi feel about that? <laughs> he loved it. Oh, that's yeah. awesome! Yeah. <laughs> and knitting and crocheting. I mean, I'll take that when I go to a friend's house who also does it, and we'll sit and do it together. That is wonderful because you don't actually have to just focus in. You can visit and you can have that that time together. So, did you mostly connect with TCKs, like others, like who were missionary kids, or just anybody and everyone? It was kind of anybody and everyone. Um, missionary kids are actually pretty rare, mm-hmm. especially in Ghana and in the circles we were part of. Mm-hmm. So at school, it was mostly the kids of business people. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I just got along with everyone. That's awesome. So what kind of traditions did your family have like that you really enjoyed while you were in Ghana? One I'm sure you've heard about is Thanksgiving at the beach, right. which has been fun. Another one is actually, it's family devotions every night, Monday through Friday. Mm -hmm. And we set everything down, devices aside, and we just sit and we do 15 to 20 minutes of just Bible readings and hymns and prayers. And it's really a great way for us to all connect and then also to be in fellowship with God. So did you have any special kind of memories or traditions in the in the church, Eden? Or like, was that like something that, like I heard that a little bit that of something of you had a video. Were you in confirmation like right before you left or was that? Yeah. Okay. So what was that like? Well, being up there in front of everyone was scary. <laughs> Did they, like, give you an exam or you had to answer questions in front of everybody? Um, there was a written test before. Okay. I'd rather written than right. <laughs> speaking. This is true. Yeah. Yeah. I'm old enough that <laughs> I had to be up in the front and get the oral exam. And you know what? I had only, it's not about me, but I had only six people in my class. And then Ooh. the pastor knew that I would know the answers. So then he would ask other people like the simplest question and then ask me all the hard ones. So we all passed together, right? It's collective. But anyways, (laughs) yeah. Writing would have been better is my point. So (laughs) Um, So were there like special times of the year that you like especially gravitated to within the church, like Easter versus Christmas versus like Pentecost? Was there anything like that? For me, it's always been Christmas. I love it's not about the gifts, just <laughs> before anyone assumes <laughs> Disclaimer. that. Um, it's, but it's the weeks leading up to it and really realizing how much Jesus sacrificed to come to earth and be one of us in such a sinful world. Mm-hmm. And it, it's almost, it almost feels like one of the holiest times of year. Like I just, I feel the worship more. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So how was that unique in Ghana? I don't know how many Christmases you remember from the U.S., but it feels a little different in Ghana because it's not cold, right? <laughs> so like what what kind of stood out to you? Like do you remember any Christmases in the U.S. or not really? No, I think the last no. one here was when 
Eden was born. So that was a while ago. Okay, so you know the <laughs> stereotypes that maybe are portrayed on like Christmas cards or like movies. Like how many hymns even have like, something about snow and stuff in it? And you're like, what yeah. is happening here? Did they sing those there or no? Or they kind of stay away from I, I snow think, hymns? I think we kind of stay away from those. Yeah, don't really that's good. <laughs> that much <laughs> if you don't know then you probably didn't <laughs> but, but it was yeah. still pretty special like set apart in ghana of like that you could you had your own traditions you had your own way of decorating the, the sanctuary or around the home kind of a thing yeah yeah at home we always have our special ornaments for the christmas tree mm-hmm. and then we have lights strung around the kids get our own string of lights for our rooms and it it's fun finding out where to put the lights every year (laughs) so you'll be doing that in ethiopia too hopefully (laughs) yeah we're not sure what christmas is gonna look like in ethiopia that's true you're gonna get two yeah i forgot about that (laughs) so it's just going to be an extended time of holiness and set apart there we go so how has the mission work of your parents influenced you and your faith? I don't know because it's just kind of been a part of our lives. Sure. So I haven't noticed it being any different. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And you were talking about some about family devotions, but like what does the Bible mean to you? How has scripture impacted you? I mean, it's pretty important. We have Bibles in every room in our house. Mm-hmm. I'll go pick up a Bible to like if I if I need something and I don't know what I need, I'll pick up the Bible and read something. Or okay. I have favorite Psalms, and Psalms are always great to read. Mm-hmm. It's just been such a part of my life that I, I mean, what would we do without the Bible, Eden? I don't know. <laughs> no, it's true. Of like, I love that the the idea that there is a, like the Bible in each room of the house, and how special that is. Because right. then it's like. <laughs> You know right where to go, and it's not like, oh, I would get my Bible, except that it's up in this other <laughs> room, and then you have to get up, and you're, like, then lost in thought or distracted, but it's right there. Well, it wasn't a big house. <laughs> <laughs> that helps, too, right? <laughs> uh, so how is it that you have found, like, as you're, as you're preparing for Ethiopia, like, what is it, just as a, a scriptural foundation, has there been a passage particularly as you're as you're preparing for this transition that of that you said goodbye to Ghana and you're going to be saying hello to Ethiopia. So is there a particular passage that has really stuck to you? I think my confirmation verse. <laughs> sure, what is it? It was Psalm 150. I think it was 5 and verses 5 and 6. It was praise him with clashing symbols. Hmm. Let everything that is breath praise the Lord. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say, mine's probably also my confirmation verse from Psalm 23, and I'm trying to remember the exact <laughs> wording because I've had heard so many. Different versions, um, yep. Right, mm-hmm. That one's a popular one. But essentially it's the one where, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So what does that look like to you right now, like as you're like visualizing, like, what is what is that valley right now? No matter where I go or what I'm doing or what's happening around me, God's with me and he's not walking anywhere or he's he's not going anywhere. <laughs> so just that comfort that mm-hmm. no matter how busy we are, there's always someone. 
So Eden, you and your family have been in the U.S. for just a short while. What's uh, been the thing you've enjoyed the most while you've been home this time? If this is home. But anyways, while you've been in the United States. Since everything's different. Right. It's been mostly the food. You enjoy the food? <laughs> yes. So what do you enjoy the most? A lot of the, like, the chips and the crackers. Okay. These are things we do not buy at home. Yeah. Oh, okay. And cereal. Mom doesn't buy cereal. Okay. (laughs) Has it been a little bit of a cross, like, like, uh, like almost a cross-cultural experience, like almost like a shock? Like, so, you know, we think about it sometimes of like a fatigue or like, okay, I'm tired of like whatever, or like all the choices I've sometimes heard. Like you go to the grocery store, it's all the choices. All the choices. Has there been anything that's been overwhelming in your time of being home in the U.S.? Well, here at CMI, it has (laughs) been overwhelming, like rushing off to different places. Mm -hmm. I don't know. (laughs) What about you, Hannah? What's been that like something that you've enjoyed versus something that's overwhelming? Something I've enjoyed is okay. Again, I'm gonna say food. <laughs> uh, like I said, food is such a big part of mm-hmm. our lives. It's nice to have different foods, mm-hmm. but also it's been really nice to be able to connect back with family that I haven't seen in like four years. Right. Right. Something I haven't enjoyed as much is all the driving we've been having to do. Oh, yeah. Yeah. American roads are very boring. You don't have... (laughs) Okay, but hear me out. You don't have people selling stuff on the side of the road. You don't have a random pig (laughs) wandering across the road that you have to honk your horn at. Or chicken. Or cow. (laughs) No, that's true. It is true. The potholes, though. There's no potholes. No. Yeah, that's what my kids used to say. Go up to Michigan. Yes, then there's plenty. Thank you. Yeah. Throwing that Michigan jab in there. (laughs) No, my kids, when we first moved back to the United States, also used to say, like, this place is boring. There's nothing to see here. (laughs) So it's an interesting perspective. Well, we are here at Concordia Mission Institute and. that's the CMI you were referring to, and there is ice cream waiting for us. So uh, before we wrap up, is there anything we can pray for you and your family about that you'd like our listeners to pray for you guys about? Just as we go through our transition, because um, the last time we moved was like six years ago, and it was within the same country, that we'll okay. just be able to adjust and yep. find new friends quickly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we will be praying for you. Uh, Hannah and Eden, how can we be praying for you specifically? I would say the transition and especially going to a school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, this has been a great conversation with <laughs> Eden and Hannah. Thanks for being on the podcast and uh, we look forward to listening to it with you. You guys can say <laughs> that was me on there that time. So <laughs> thank you, ladies. Yeah. Thanks for having us. One of my favorite parts of that interview was just watching Hannah and Eden and how they mm. work together. And, you know, the the parents uh, ahead of time said, you know, the one is probably going to talk a lot and the other one's probably not going to talk enough. But that was not our experience at all. They both were ready to go. They're podcast fans. Mm. And mm. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was funny. Like as they were putting on the headphones, it was like, oh, this is how it sounds right. like, you know, and just that that comfort level of being able to share who they are as a third culture kid, you know, and bouncing from space to space to be able to give voice and just having that that sense of like 
this is this is our story and this is how we're able to share it with more people and what transition looks like and what you know coming to a good close looks like and, and processing and you know just having their parents as who they are as support workers and just very in tune you could tell from Hannah and Eden, like just that, you know, emotional maturity of like being able to process all of those transitions. Yep. And we'd sure love it if you pray for the Federwitz family as they transition from Ghana to Ethiopia and uh, begin their new life there. Paul's new uh, work in service uh, with the church and with Lutheran Bible translators there and for the kiddos as they get started in school. A lot of big stuff going on there all at once. Yes. Join us in prayer. And, uh, yeah, you can find out more about what's happening in Ethiopia. Um, all of the programs are listed on our webpage, lbt.org slash programs. Uh, you can find it um, as well as Paul and Allie's ministry under the missionary page. Thank you for listening to the Essentially Translatable podcast brought to you by Lutheran Bible Translators. You can find past episodes of the podcast at lbt.org slash podcast or subscribe on Audible, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow Lutheran Bible Translators' social media channels on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, or go to lbt.org to find out how you can get involved in the Bible translation movement and put God's Word in their hands. The Essentially Translatable podcast is produced and edited by Andrew Olson. Our executive producer is Emily Wilson. Podcast artwork was designed by Caleb Rodewald and Sarah Radowski. Music written and performed by Rob Veit. I'm Rich Radowski. So long for now. <laughs>